0: Hello listeners, a friendly reminder that the companies and topics discussed on this podcast are general advice only. Please consult an advisor or accountant for any personal advice. Well, a big hello for your Sunday. If you can't, maybe you can hear it, I don't know, but there's a massive storm hitting my place at the moment. And I've kind of just waited around with the recording to see if it goes away but it's not going away so I'm just going to record it anyway so if you hear some general rainfall and storm related noises in the background of this recording don't be freaked out I guess maybe I can record maybe I can be one of those people that records for like one of those apps like Calm where they, they send you to sleep and it has the nice rainfall in the background yes anyway this is episode 34 my name is Dion Kruber this is the Cola Edition episode and thank you very much for tuning into the Market Pulse podcast for this week's episode. We've got a couple of things to talk about this week. I'm going to focus mostly on the US. Actually, the next couple of weeks might be mostly focused on the US, but we'll talk a little bit about what happened in our market, of course. And we have a listener question to close the show off. But let's jump into it. The ASX200 was, yeah, was down. It was down. It was down 0.16%. So sort of pretty pretty much close to flat. The S&P 500 in the US was down about 0.53% and the Nasdaq down 1.34%. So as you can see a well, yeah, a, a real a bit of an average week, I guess, here and across the pond. And I, I don't have really have any macro stuff to sort of talk about this week or nothing that jumped out at me. And there's really been no further well no, for the developments in any kind of government or US government stimulus that is, that could really have a big factor in driving the market one way or another one way or the other. But I mean we are nearing the US election, which makes me think that there will be no stimulus talks, at least until that's far from behind us and but I came across this really interesting indicator regarding... It was about the financial disclosures of both the Trump and Biden campaigns, which they regularly do or quarterly do. And so this is not market or investing-related at all, but I, I guess it's money-related. But So this was reported on by the New York Times and it was discussed in the Planet Extra podcast, which is an Australian podcast, but it, they, they, it's an analysis of US politics. So Donald Trump... Well, Donald Trump's campaigns. Uh, spent $0.70 of each fundraising dollar received on future fundraising efforts. So this is over the last quarter. So $0.70 of each fundraising dollar received on future fundraising efforts. Now, what that means, which they sort of discuss on that Planet Extra podcast I reference, is he's spending $0.70 of each dollar donated just to get another dollar of donation. And compared to sort of normally his campaign average is much closer to about forty seven cents so it's a so it's a kind of like a signal that the coffers well i guess the the donation inflow is really starting to dry up for the trump campaign in comparison biden spends spends seventeen cents of each dollar for future fundraising and this isn't a comment about who's going to win the election or anything like this and It was just an interesting point that caught my eye during the week and I guess and sort of as I record this podcast which is Sunday the 25th of October it's what like 10 10 days until the election again it's not 100% guaranteed it'll be super clear straight away or at least on that day who the winner will be but it is going to be a very 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 big focus of financial markets across the globe really over the next week or so but anyway, as I said at the top of the show, we are actually in the middle of US earnings seasons which season, which is a it's a quarterly event that happens. It's very exciting. Uh, there there's a couple of interesting companies to touch on from this week that caught my eye. And the first one is Netflix. Now Netflix has had has well, it's really had a good twenty twenty. COVID has provided plenty of tailwinds for a company that relies on us being lazy slobs and staying inside, which for a lot of the world, that has been forced on us with lockdown. Shout out to Melbourne. But Netflix shares are actually up 48% year to date. And that's and a lot of that, really a lot of that comes from what they've been announcing throughout the year, which is just absolutely smashing new subscriber growth, but mo- mostly in the first half of this, of 2020. Uh, so normally per quarter, if you, if you sort of look at a chart of how many new subscribers they add each quarter over the past few years. Normally, they're they're adding somewhere between 5 and 10 million, not really ever that close to 10 million, but somewhere between 5 and 10. But in the first quarter of 2020, so Jan to March, they added uh, almost 16 million new subs, which is the most they've ever added across a quarterly period, ever. And I'm just uh, perusing their letter to the shareholders that they released during the week. It gives you some insight into where their growth is currently coming from for Netflix so just reading from the letter here it says our APAC region, so Australia Pacific was the largest contributor to our paid membership growth this quarter, which was it made up forty six percent of q three global paid net ads, and APAC revenue rose sixty six percent year over year. We are pleased with the progress we're making this region, in particular that we've achieved double digit penetration of broadband homes in South Korea and Japan, so South Korea and Japan being very big big markets for Netflix. Uh, while this is encouraging, we still have much work to do and we're working hard to replicate this success in India and other countries. So a very big week, very big year for Netflix. Still, yeah, a lot of that growth is, is the, or at least it seems to be the strategy is to, to get that growth from yeah, more of those nations that are outside the sort of North America region. Netflix is still very much the biggest provider or biggest streaming platform that we have in the in the globe as much as we'd have those big competitors that have come up like a Disney plus Netflix by still i think i think Disney plus is closer to 60s to 70 million subscribers overall whereas Netflix is much closer to 200 million subscribers so very much still the biggest player in the market another company also in in the business of attention harvesting that released their quarterly earnings at pretty much the same time during the week was social media entity Snap, which is the and the maker of Snapchat of course. So Snapchat has been Snapchat has been a bit of a dog stock from its IPO several years ago. If you if you'd had invested in this company from its first day going public, you really haven't had a good ride. Effectively, as of only like last week, you would have finally broken even on your investment. Snap closed around twenty seven US dollars on its first day on the market. Going, I think that was in 2017. I think March or April, sometime there, it got as bad as around five US dollars a share at the end of 2018, and has very, very slowly crawled itself back since that point. And the biggest jump, really across a short time period, came this week specifically, and that's because their quarterly report was a lot better than analysts predicted or the average among analysts. Snap closed the week at forty-three point seventeen US dollars a share. And for the week it's up it's up like fifty-five percent. So massive week for Snapchat. And why the I mean, so why have they struggled in the past few years? Well like the story of Snapchat is and any social media app I guess is how do you how do you monetize this thing effectively? You know, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat or Instagram, the game is is all ad revenue I guess and also making sure your platform remains relevant which for a brand like Snap their relevance is very very strong among the Gen Z population couple interesting stats from their quarterlies that, that I picked out and these certainly gave a boost to investors during the week so DAUs or, or daily active users were 249 million in Q3 which is an increase of 39 million or 18% year on year um, compared to the same period last year. Their revenues up fifty two percent year on year. The thing that surprised the thing that sort of surprised analysts the most, because they 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 had, they always have a consensus on what the earnings per share will be during these quarterlies for any company. And the earnings per share came in at one cent versus a forecasted loss of five cents per share, which was probably well, that that would have gone back to their that big revenue jump that they've had and Important to note that this is still very much a loss-making business, but their losses fell to $200 million, down 12% from $227 million net loss last year. So I guess improving signs, I'm not sure if that means you should invest in it, but looking a little bit better for Snapchat. Another big performer for the week was Logitech, very much a company that is benefiting from the COVID-19 lockdowns and the transition to work from home. Logitech are primarily in the peripherals business, which I'm sure you're all aware of, so speakers and mice and keyboards, headsets, all the kind of things that flew off the shelves as we all rushed to ensure our work from home setup was quite comfortable. Just looking at their shares year to date, and they have pretty much almost doubled year to date, so from the start of 2020, but I think if you if you're if you're going in to play on logitech shares now so you're you're buying them up this week or next week, you kind of have to you'd be doing so expecting that there's no way that they maintain the level of sales growth that they've seen this year it's just it's just i don't see how that would happen so i went through i was looking at their quarterly presentation just to look at some they had some specific items that they lay out. So just as an example, PC webcam sales for Logitech are up 258% year on year. 258%. Which would be all which would be all tied back to everyone just using Zoom and Microsoft Teams instead of meeting in person right now. Another one is tablet accessories, which have been big for Logitech. So you know like clip on those keyboards and pens for your iPad or whatever tablet you have. Those sales are up 144%, so really big, 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 big numbers for Logitech. But yeah, you, t- you really have to think that this will return to a, I guess, a base level of normal growth numbers, which is not a bad thing. But this year has, I mean, it's been huge demand for those networking and peripheral devices, just generally speaking. So it wouldn't just be Logitech that benefit specifically. But you'd have to you'd have to be understanding that if you're investing in Logitech. But that is them. So I don't invest in any yet. I think I, I do want to, but I don't invest in any direct US shares. So what I I mean, I had I do own an exchange trade of funds on ETF that trades here on the Australian Stock Exchange. Its ticker code is NDQ. It is an ETF that invests or tracks the Nasdaq 100 index. So Indirectly, I have exposure to some of these companies, so the likes of an Adobe or a PayPal or Nvidia, and then all the big ones like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, which which I kind of like. But I think I think eventually I'd like to jump into some direct shares. But anyway, moving ahead, the the it's a huge week for U.S. earnings. The calendar, I mean, this coming week, the calendar is very very packed. So Thursday, Thursday is massive. You have Apple, Amazon, Facebook. Well, you have Atlassian, Activision, Blizzard, Spotify, all reporting on the same day, Thursday, or I guess Thursday slash Friday morning for here in Australia. So that will be really, really big. I'll pull some notes from all of that for the next episode. What else? Earlier in the week, yeah, Wednesday, there's results from Etsy and Pinterest, which I think will be interesting. Microsoft on Tuesday, Alphabet on Monday. And also AMD, I think, will be interesting to look at as well. But that will all be saved for the next episode. Okay, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we we actually have a listener question this week. So thank you very much. This one comes here from Neil in Victoria. Neil asks, hi, Dion, thank you for the podcast. Well, thank you, Neil. <laughs> what has been your best and worst investment in 2020 so far? Yeesh, all right. Uh twenty twenty so I'll just hmm we'll start with best so I can that's easy, right? <laughs> it's not it's always easy to talk about what you did right. Best by far, easiest has been a software as a service company called Big Tin Can Holdings, which I invested in back in it was it was right in the middle of March, which I hadn't like I think it was on the I think it was around the around the 19th, 20th of March, which is, as you can remember, was close to around the index hitting rock bottom, which is not me as a prophet. Like that was a guess. Like I didn't know that the market was hitting rock bottom then, but it was a really, really good timing for me. So this is not a company that I owned prior to that point. It's, so it, it kind of my investment corresponded with them giving a bit of an update to the market around that time, basically saying, "Look, we reaffirm the guidance that we gave, which had, which was around the thirty percent organic revenue growth." So basically, they were saying that yes, whilst there are some unknowns at this time given COVID and given its impact on the economy and, and just business in general. And that it's not like they were saying everything's all good, but they were basically saying, look, we're in a good position and we are still looking at at coming through with that growth that we talked about before COVID. And so it kind of, and because I was going through a period where I was like trying to hunt for, I guess, examples where perhaps the market, because the market was selling everything off, but maybe not everything deserved to be sold off. So Big Tin can was definitely my best purchase this year. I, I bought it for around 36 cents. I sold for closer to $1.30 quite recently actually. So that was really good. My worst this year, and it's only worse on paper. I haven't actually sold it or anything and I'm not planning to anytime soon, but my worst trade or investment this year so far, easily zip. I... <laughs> I have steered clear of the buy now, pay later sector for years, years and years. I remember when Afterpay was first coming up. Um, it's not that I didn't believe in it, but I guess I, I listened to a lot of people that were sort of worried around regulation in the industry and competitors at a global level. So they were at, back then, they're citing things like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal. And I guess I just never touched it and... and you just watch it it's one of those classic ones where you just watch the likes of after pages continue just to run i mean it's a it's had it's been a bit of a roller coaster like it's had pulled back many times, but for the most part it's just been a banger to have owned. I sort of steer clear because of those concerns, and <laughs> this year, I bought into zip like maybe a days maybe a max a week before. PayPal came out and announced that they're entering the market, which caused all the entire sector to pull back. <laughs> so that's what I mean. That's you can you can do as much due diligence or thinking or analysis as you want and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're gonna get the timing right, which is which is why I try not to like think too much about the timing for certain things. Like I also have a index fund in the Australian market. So I have a Vanguard ASX 300 index fund that acts as... I put a bit of money into that. It acts as a little bit of a bedrock of my portfolio, a bit of stability. It's good for just pulling in some dividends every quarter. But, you know, you're never going to know exactly when to buy something like that. So I just more take a method of every now and again on a regular basis trying to save up enough just to put into that thing because... You can sit back and, and try and guess when to enter all you want. My experience is the times that I've tried to think about it the most, I usually get it wrong. The times when I don't <laughs> compared to the times I don't think about it, and sometimes I get it right. So I think as long as you have a a thesis or an understanding of the business and a thesis for where it's going and what its outlook is like, deciding whether to buy it today or tomorrow because maybe it pulls back a little bit tomorrow you can get it for slightly cheaper I don't don't I, my experience has been not to worry too much about that but I'm sort of rambling now but definitely my worst in terms of the price I bought it like I'm still sitting at a bit of a loss I think like 10% or something at the moment but definitely it's not sold yet so I'm still it probably won't be a bad one in the end at least that's my my guess but it's the it's the worst one so far this year by by far Well, thank you very much for the question, Neil. And thank you very much for listening to the show. That is it for this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. Thank you for tuning in, as always. I hope the storm... Well, I'm not going to know until I sort of do a little bit of editing once I hit the stop button about how bad the background noise was, but hopefully it wasn't too unbearable. I hope you enjoy your week. Like I always say, thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends, tell your family. Tell your dog. I don't care. If you think they'll find it interesting, then I'm sure they will. But have a great week. Cheers.